Friday Lunchtime Lectures at the Open Data Institute. Hi everybody and welcome to the ODI's Friday Lunchtime Lecture. Uh, today's speaker is Mike Bromberg. Um, Mike has come from a company called uh, Culture... Culture Design. Culture Design, Culture Design, uh, sorry. That's no, <laughs> um, right. And uh, Culture Design, a creative studio who specialise in the use of data in their work. Um, and as you can tell probably by the title of today's talk, uh, Mike is going to be talking about using data as a creative material. Um, so uh, can I ask if anyone has any questions in the audience, please wait until the end of the talk as we need to part, uh, pass around the microphone. Um, if you've got any questions and you're watching remotely, please use the hashtag ODI Fridays. And I'm going to hand over to Mike. Enjoy the lecture. Thanks very much. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. Um, Hopefully, uh, we've got some videos to play today, and hopefully that's going to look okay on the this feed and everything. But if not, um, if you want to look at anything, and I've got to kind of whistle through a, a kind of a lot of the work. But if you want to look at it again, all the work I'm going to show today is on uh, culture.design there. So, um, yeah, so um, culture, culture Design um, is a little um, studio who I, that I run <coughs> with uh, my partner, Polly. Um, and, um, yeah, so we work on data visualisation and information design. Um, motion graphics, illustration and branding, and generative and data art. Um, and so we work on things like this, um, visualizing, sort of doing information design for kind of medical education videos, um, data visualization for corporate survey data, um, some of this sort of thing, uh, sort of slightly more kind of, uh, kind of looser visualizations for looking at um, the press activity between two different uh, companies. Um, and designing apps like this with, uh, uh, for 51 Degrees with the Away 3D guys, um, looking at mobile phone handset usage around the world. And you can see Apple doing quite, quite well there. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's that sort of work. Um, but all that kind of work sort of sits down this... I'm, I'm going to kind of put our projects on this kind of spectrum of sort of visualisation, if you like. And, and those projects sort of sit on this on that kind of insightful end of, of, of the data visualization come art spectrum. Um, and basically the, the kind of the rule of thumb is the, the more kind of insightful you want to be with your visualizations, the, the kind of the more representative you need to, do, to be with that data. So, but we're going to kind of move up into this top right hand corner and, and use data as kind of a seed in our, in our projects that isn't necessarily about insight, uh, but more about kind of using it as a, as a material in, in, in our projects and in an input into our sort of creative systems. So, and that's data as a creative material. So why would you want to do that? Well, so your data kind of embodies your, your efforts and your relationships and your successes and whether that's you or your product or your, you know, um, whatever, it, wherever it is you get your data from, but it just kind of reflects you and your, your activity. And kind of embedding that that data in your creative process and in your design uh, process is, it kind of brings a kind of an honesty to it somehow. And it's like, um, you know, it brings a, a reality rather than the, the, the visual output you create being kind of arbitrary. Um, and so I quite, I quite like, I'm quite into the idea of creating a system, a drawing system, and then putting in, uh, a data or some sort of input into that system and seeing what it creates. Um, so you create a set of rules. And, and kind of visualisation is just creating that, those set of rules um, around how are we going to encode some, some sort of value into some sort of visual system. Um, and so that's what the, all these sort of projects share, if you like, and, and moving sort of up the scale. So the first project I kind of did that kind of was balancing those two things out was uh, for King's College. 
Um, and this is um, uh, the a project we did to kind of visualise the rise and fall of nitrogen dioxide levels over London. And you can see it's kind of basically, um, these are all the air quality sites around London. But if you take all those, those sort of points away and sort of to take the map away and make it completely unreadable, if you like, um, what it also does is create these nice sort of geometries, these kind of abstract geometries, which kind of work as a, as a design tool as well. So it's taking that data, and I quite like the idea that maybe there was a pollution event over Heathrow, one you know, near Heathrow, and that caused a particular sort of uh, shape of that geometry, and, and that's sort of interesting to me as a, as a designer. Um, so a project some of you might have seen is uh, uh, I worked with um, uh, Miriam Quick and Valentina De Filippo on this project, Space Oddity, which was um, it won a Information is Beautiful award this year, um, and um, I, I literally just helped out with some of the sort of the data animation. But it was lovely to, to work on, on with those guys. And what it is is a visualization of, of David Bowie's um, Space Oddity. And they did a whole ton of um, different ways of visualising that song, the sort of harmonics, uh, the harmonics of, um, you know, the song structure, the uh, vocal um, structure, the, the sort of the lyrical structure. And, and what this is is kind of a map of uh, reading like a clock. Um, it's all that basically every bar of, of space oddity um, and each icon is a different instrument, basically. And so in the centre, you've got a load of triangles sort of running all the way around, if you like, and that's the acoustic guitar sort of playing all the way through. And on the outside rim, so, it, so working through, you've got um, like bass and drums and kind of mellotrons and all that sort of stuff. And on the outside edge is um, major tom and ground control, sort of having this sort of conversation. And these sort of concentric circles on there are kind of uh, are the harmonies, you know, the vocal harmonies, if you like. Um, so, um, and yeah, it was great. They did a, an exhibition um, at Whedon and Kennedy, um, Wyden and Kennedy. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a, a really nice project to work on. So I'll just play a bit of that. This is ground control to Major Tom. You've really made the grade. So yeah, we're kind of using not only sort of mapping the, the sort of the bar data and what, what's playing when, but we're taking the audio feed from each each layer of the audio of, of the song, each, each track of the song. So we've got an animating the um, animating the icons based based in, based on the audio data that's that's for each track. And sort of restructuring that that visualization as well. So it's the same system, but viewing it as a kind of a, 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 a tunnel, a sort of a timeline, a sort of a 3D timeline rather than a circular timeline. And did some of this sort of, sort of generative sort of portrait work on it as well. Um, so. Yeah, so an, another project uh, which kind of didn't start with data but kind of ended up with data um, uh, is a project for Volante Imaging, who's a, a little sort of drone photography company who wanted a brand um, developing and a, and a website. So we talked to them about what that might be. And this is my rubbish sketchbook about what that logo could be. And basically we came up with this idea of um, sort of concentric points, um, um, uh, sort of like kind of radar points to say they're, 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 they're drones, they're flying. Um, and so the idea of a, of a, of a sort of this sort of radar. Um, and then basically if you take those sort of concentric points and tip it up into um, on its side, um, you can see that those, those concentric rings are actually sort of arranged in a sort of funnel shape. Uh, so despite my terrible drawing, they went for that idea. And so we started working on the on the design. Um, and so I do a lot of work in processing um, and sort of the design is actually kind of uh, not done in Illustrator, it's kind of, you know, sort of built as a kind of a, an algorithm, if you like, and, and a sort of parameterized system. So, so 
by setting that up, I can sort of play with you know the, the, the different angles and different ways of drawing circles. Maybe we draw hexagons instead, lots of hexagons, very simple circles, which are triangles, fewer triangles, and so playing around with those, those parameters of the design. And what that led us to be able to do then, once we'd got this design sort of working, is, is, um, is plug in some data to it at the, at the end, basically. So I'll kind of whistle through. So this is us working out uh, how we're going to move those points around these sort of concentric circles. And this was quite a nice experiment because you get this sort of symmetry. The, the point on the outside's moving a lot and the point on the inside's moving the least. And you get these little moments where they all kind of line up and it's quite, quite nice. But, so we could move points around circles. Um, and then we were playing with, okay, we don't want to draw all the circles. We want to draw just tails behind those little points. And so because every, the system that we, we designed was sort of parameterized, we could sort of play with different lengths of circles, different weights of points versus the tails, um, lengths of tails, and sort of iterated through lots of different ideas. Um, lots of points here. Um, it's a bit faint, but you might be able to see that. Um, doesn't really, really liked it. Didn't, doesn't really work as a logo necessarily. Um, but yeah, so we settled on, in the end, um, a balance of, and this was the final kind of the sort of uh, opening sting that we, we created for them that they could put on the front of their, their sort of videos. Um, and the logo kind of works between like 12 and 24 points. So um, uh, so there's, there's the ver version with 12 points and there's a the version with sort of 24 points. And because it was kind of living logo and it could vary its form, um, we, oh yeah, we did business cards for them as well, where each one was different because we can output a different um, sort of view of that, 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 that vortex, if you like. Um, but because we kind of built it as a system, uh, we could also, on their website, use the Open, map, open Weather Map um, API. Um, so what we're doing is basically looking at the weather in London at the time. So when you visit their website, um, it basically is taking two things from the Open Weather Map uh, API, which is atmospheric pressure in London and wind speed. And so when um, we increase the atmospheric pressure, so this is just a, a demo, you get more you know, closely packed um, particles, um, so kind of like isobars. Um, and then as, as the wind speed increases in London, you get faster moving faster moving vortex. And so kind of by visiting their site, you can sort of get a sense of um, the, the weather in London, but it also kind of binds it, to, because they're all about flying and weather and they can't fly if it's bad weather, it kind of binds that, that to their, their brand, if you like. So, so working kind of um, systematically and, and sort of parameterizing that design meant we could do, we could do that um, at the end of the project. Um, so this, you see we're moving up the scale here, sort of abstracting data a bit more. Um, uh, Tiger Beer was a, uh, a project we worked on with Havas in Dublin, which, yeah. who were really great to work with. Um, and um, they came to us wanting actually a kind of a, like a generative portrait. What, what, basically what they wanted was a Facebook application that uh, Tiger Beer customers could, could generate a, a unique piece of artwork um, based on their profile image. Um, and uh, use that as kind of a basically a beer voucher. So you generate some art, take that to the pub, and you get a free beer. So you know everyone's everyone's happy. Um, problem is obviously, are there kids in the picture? You know, is it not appropriate? The picture is not appropriate. So that that idea kind of got shelved. Um, so what else could we do with sort of Facebook data? So really, um, very small data in, in the sense that we used we looked at using visualizing their name, the Facebook user's name, encoding the letters of their name, and also the date of birth and the time of day that they were generating this piece of art. And those are all inputs into this this system. So the way we sort of set about doing that, um, again, you, I, having just finished the Volante job, I'm still doing dot, dots on circles basically. Um, so. 
basically, what, the way we're encoding those letters is, is basically <coughs> reading from the middle out. So, um, and an A is, is one dot on a circle, B is two dots on a circle, three is, <coughs> C is three dots, and, and onwards. And that's how we're kind of sort of trying to encode those letters. So playing with ideas of like, okay, well, if we've got those letters, those letters encoded, how can we do something visual with that? Maybe we join them all up from the middle. Uh, maybe we sort of multiply them out a bit so they're a bit more dense and also maybe draw some circles in the background of different uh, density um, according to the value of the letter. Um, so A is very light, B is very dense. Um, but then they wanted, wanted it sort of more kind of uh, Eastern inspired, more sort of on brand. And they, the, they, the art director created these, these really nice icons. And so we mapped these icons to the particular letters. So it's the same arrangement, but we're just adding a sort of a, a kind of a twist to it. Um, but it's the same sort of encoding, but using icons as well. And they're scaled as well based on the letter value. So uh, A is small, Z is big. And these two, uh, these, these set here, what was interesting when you apply the icons to it, kind of made it a bit more readable in that these two are sort of related family members. So these are actually the Shelbys from Peaky Blinders, Peaky Blinders, the TV series. Anyway, uh, test, test, uh, test data. So this is the Shelby brothers and that's the Shelby sisters. And you can kind of see that reading from the middle, that's Shelby out on the outside edge there. Um, and what was kind of interesting about it is you can't read that as of, you don't know that that says, Ada Shelby, but um, but sort of culture, cultural differences sort of started appearing. So maybe like Chinese names were maybe quite short and very high letter, high value letters were in there. So you got very kind of uh, punctuated kind of designs and Eastern European names maybe quite long. So you got very dense sort of designs. And so you, on mass, you got this kind of sort of cultural difference sort of or moving through through the work. Um, so that was the Facebook app. Um, and uh, yeah, so we also produced it then. So the, the app was written in P5.js, which is Processing's kind of JavaScript library. Um, and then we took it and rebuilt it for uh, processing on the desktop and it meant we could output these high-res uh, versions of this, which then got used at the Dublin Fringe Festival to brand up there. Um, so Tiger was sponsoring the Fringe Festival and we visualized the, the names of all the performers there. Um, and uh, yeah, use that system to, to generate um, all the banners and the t-shirts and the tote bags, data viz tote bags. Um, yeah, so um, it was nice to see one algorithm kind of being applied to different, different platforms and different mediums. Um, so I'm kind of interested in when you're creating a system, I guess, for visualization or a, a sort of a drawing system, if you like, um, finding data that's really um, sort of dynamic and sort of textural um, is, 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 is kind of what I'm always after. Um, and pulse data is great. Um, so we've done a project with, I've done a few projects using pulse data actually. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so what's great about pulse data is it it's tends, tends to be very dynamic um, and kind of interesting um, and sort of um, uh, there's got a lot of, yeah, a lot of texture in there, but it's also very personal. It's, it is bound to the person whose, whose data that is. And it's, it's, there's almost nothing more personal than your, your own pulse data at a particular moment in time um, and space. Um, so how do we go about getting pulse data from, from live subjects? Um, a, a 20 quid Arduino from uh, Maplin's, one of these uh, pulse sensor um, that you plug into it. Um, and it basically is reading the, the blood flow in and out of your skin, basically. Um, so that's how it measures your, you can do it on your phone as well, you know, but um, uh, yeah, so that's, that's what, what it's doing. It's shining a light on your, on your finger and as the blood flows in and out, it's measuring that as a signal. 
and that's what you get out of it. Um, so, so there's sort of two bits of data here. There's, there's kind of the BPMs, which it's measuring, is working out between the peaks on that, that waveform, which isn't very interesting because it kind of, you know, someone's sitting there and it's 87, 88, 89, 87. It doesn't, it's not really doing much. You know, it might be interesting from a clinical point of view, but not from a, a like an artistic point of view. But what's much more interesting is this sort of waveform that you get out. Um, and so that's what we start, that's what we did. We took that waveform, um, that live feed, and passed it down a, um, basically a sphere. And sort of, um, that's what, this is me a few months ago. Um, and basically what we're doing is um, there are points on a sphere, um, and the higher the value of that wave as we're passing it down that sphere, it's displacing those points. Um, and so pushing it away from their kind of, their, their sort of, a base position, if you like, and then adding like a color scale to that. So the further they they move out, and scaling them as well. So the higher the value, the more we displace those points. And um, so we did a, a an event um, at an agency a couple of years ago, um, and uh, sort of talking talking about this this sort of kind of work. And then what was really nice is afterwards we got everyone sort of lined up, and I should have brought it today, but <laughs> got everyone lined up and. Um, and took everyone's sort of pulse signature and got everyone to dance around at the time and, and get them to basically sort of capture that, their pulse at that moment in time. And, and after the event, we sort of sent everyone's sort of posters of, of their pulse, you know, their, their, their pulse at that moment. Um, and yeah, so you get some quite nice variation in there. Um, but yeah, it's that super personal kind of data. It's that, them at that moment in time through our algorithm, but that piece of work couldn't have been created if it wasn't for their their heart rate and that dance that they were doing at that moment. Um, so um, I'm keeping an eye on my time here because I don't know if I'm flying along or not, but um, uh, we'll see how we go. Um, another nice uh, workplace to get um, nice textural data is audio data. In the same way, kind of pulse data is, is that quite nice uh, spiky um, sort of textural data. Audio it works in the same way. And then um, we were asked to do the um, opening conference titles for um, uh, Reasons to be Creative in Brighton. It's like a three-day design conference in uh, the Brighton Dome. Um, and it sort of started with us uh, working on their logo. Um, so the, the logo, basically, uh, John at, at Reasons sent round their, their logo. It's like to celebrate um, 10 years of, of the conference. He sent it round to everyone he, he kind of friends he knew, knew or people who have spoken at the conference to kind of remix their logo and it's like can to celebrate that 10 years can we can we come up with something new for that for that and uh so we thought how can we approach this logo and do something kind of generative or sort of data related to it so first thing we did um and this basically builds into how we did the conference titles um first thing we did split this split the logo into points um so we've got something to kind of work with and it's not just a kind of an outline um then apply some, some values to those points. So basically the higher, the higher the value, just random values, apply those to those points and it gives us an ability to kind of displace those points from their kind of their baseline, if you like. And so those are coming off, coming at you to the camera, if you like. Um, and, and, and what that does is kind of slightly sort of is, is distorting that kind of logo form, if you like. But that's just some, some static values. So what if we started passing, so this is noise data, so like not noise data, but like noise, random noise, uh, like randomly generated sort of naturalistic data, so, um, or random values. So it's kind of, if you wanted to draw mountains or um, clouds, um, this is using Perlin noise, which is basically kind of, you know, so you get this kind of nice sort of flowing sort of data. And I thought, okay, there's something in this because it's doing this kind of nice fluid sort of distortions of that, that logo, that, that outline. Um, so, but 
It is just arbitrary data. So I've got a friend, Joe, over on the left there, um, and he works uh, with Ammon Tobin in this, this band, Two Fingers, and he's based in Brighton. So I thought, what better than a Brighton-based band um, to give us some music, to give us some audio, to pass through that, that drawing system instead. So, um, and Joe was kind enough to write us some, some music for this, 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 this logo, um, sort of remix. Um, and this is what we got. So we've played with it a bit more and sort of worked on, you know, the higher the, the, the higher the values, you, you move over that color grade again. Change the way we're drawing the lines a little bit to make it feel a bit look, a bit sketchy. Um, but yeah, these are the kind of the variations. So I don't know how to draw that. I can't draw that, but in Illustrator. But you set up a system, you pass some data through it and find and sort of curate the, the best results from it, if you like. And um, yeah, so, so that's how we did the remix. So uh, about a month before the conference, John, uh, the organizer, phoned up and said, can we uh, do the conference titles um, for, the, for, for, for that year? Um, Nervously, because uh, people like Stefan Sagmeister and Mario Klingerman and Jared Tarbell were, were all my heroes. Joshua Davis um, were, were all talking that year, and it's like it's a bit of a you know, bit of an ask um, and a bit intimidating. So, but we went for it, and so basically we, went, we used the same system, um, but we this time instead of having to be locked to a kind of a little white square, um, we could actually sort of put our camera inside of that visualization um, and explore it more kind of cinematically, if you like. Um, and so everything you'll see here, it's a bit faint, this video, but um, uh, all the, the, the colour, uh, the way the colour changes on the, on, the, on the model, the way the camera shakes, um, and the way the, the, the logo is kind of deformed is all driven by the audio that's, that's playing. So, um, yeah, here we'll play a little bit of that. So, you know, I can use After Effects a bit, but I don't know how to do that, if you like. Do you know what I mean? So it's like being able to write a system and, and pass that in, um, you know, pass data into it, gives you that ability to sort of generate, um, uh, yeah, generate forms that you, were, you know, you, you, you can't do manually, if you like, or it would be very sort of labour-intensive to do. Um, so um, moving now kind of at sort of furthest reaches out here into the kind of data art come generative art world. Um, uh, so a project we did a long time ago uh, is this project called, um, so it's a project called Dead Presidents and, and, and what we're using here is kind of image data really and, and, and a digital image is basically kind of an array of pixel values, yeah? So it's a two-dimensional array um, with, with RGB and alpha values in, in each one of those points and, and sort of looking at, um, I guess what we do is, is create a system and then sample from things and sort of, you know, whether you're sampling from audio, whether you're sampling from, um, you know, a pulse sensor, it's, all, it's much the same sort of process. Um, and so was, what could we do, how could we think about um, uh, image data in the same way as, as other data? 
Um, so this is uh, Dead Presidents. We created these um, these drawings by basically moving our mouse, you know, create, writing a little algorithm to sample the colour and, and and form from these these um, sort of existing classical portraits, um, and that was great. Uh, we created some nice art posters from that, but it was basically a manual process. I was kind of moving my mouse around and create a little drawing pro program, but I wanted to do the same thing automatically. I wanted to do it more algorithmically, um, and uh, so came across this picture of uh, Square Pusher, who was um, you know kind of a drum and bass uh, guy who. Uh, hero of mine, um, and thought, right, how can we create something similar to those dead presidents, but do it more um, algorithmically? So what we did, um, so when you're drawing these pictures, um, it, you work in the same way as you, you know, I was working in the same way as a kind of a, uh, an oil painter would, you know, you build, build in big triangles at the back, you know, filling in lots of colour at the back, um, and then working smaller and smaller and smaller, getting in on the, <laughs> later. Um, getting smaller and smaller in on the details, basically, um, and, yeah, sort of building, it, finding where there's bits of interest in, in, the, in the image, where you want to pick those bits of interest out. So how are we going to basically pick out bits of interest in that picture of Square Pusher? So what we did is we converted the image um, using Find Edges, uh, which is a filter you can do in Photoshop. Um, and what that's doing, it, doesn't, it looks like it's kind of inverted it, but what it's actually showing you is where is there contrast between pixels. Um, so you can see there's sort of contrast in the eyes, and there's some sort of where their light is in the eyes, it says there's something interesting there. There's not a lot happening up in the hair. There's some interest down the side of the face. And so if we sort of um, convert that to a sort of a lower resolution map, if you like, this gives us something, uh, a kind of a, an interest map um, of where we might want to draw our big triangles. And then a, a finer grain map and a finer grain map of where we want to draw our increasingly smaller um, details. So that's what we did here. So here we're kind of now filtering and saying, only show me, only draw a circle where it's 80% interesting, if you like. Um, and then only draw these circles where it's 60% interesting, 30% interesting, maybe 20% interesting. You can filter that, that, that image um, into your composition. And yeah, so build that up and you get this kind of, this sort of composition, sort of layered up pointillism. And that's the, if you, instead of drawing circles, you draw those kind of big triangles and smaller triangles, this is what you got. So kind of like the dead presidents thing. Um, but of course, when, as soon as you've got a system, you want to kind of play with the, the output. And so instead of drawing fixed, like filled triangles, we'll draw, use the same colors to draw outlines, trying try the, the, the outlines of the triangles. Um, uh, try putting points on the end. Let's, let, let's try use the color from that. Um, smaller points. Um, and yeah, these are the kind of variations I actually ended up quite liking. But what I really liked was that the one that kind of looked like a network diagram, um, and sort of animating those points, moving them around a bit, sort of feels like it's a there's a there's a sort of a like there's a logic there, but actually there's you've got this portrait sort of emerging from that. And um, so we took that idea and turned it into a kind of a 3D um, motion graphics piece. And I'll play a quick bit of that. And this is a Square Pushers music, obviously. Thank you. 
still got some more to get through, so I'll, I'll rattle on. But yeah, like I say, you can watch these again sort of uh, on our site later if you want. Um, so we're really interested uh, in sort of sampling from kind of non-standard sort of places. Um, and just like the classical portraits, we're kind of interested in um, sort of uh, these sort of Dutch still lives. Um, now, this is actually a photo uh, by Ricard Osterland um, in, he took in 2010. And this was uh, work with him uh, using this, this image uh, for a, um, uh, an installation in a hotel in China, basically. This is for a, a, a sort of a, an animated installation. Um, but we're using the same process here. Um, basically taking, finding where is, where is interesting that image, sampling the colours from it um, and drawing triangles, uh, slightly twirly, a bit smaller this time, but ultimately the same thing. Um, and the only difference here is that instead of clearing the screen every frame, I just let it keep drawing, basically. And what it does, when it keeps drawing and keeps drawing, it kind of overdraws and creates these kind of like oil, you know, sort of uh, brushstroke type, type feel. So, uh, yeah, um, then this was another piece based on, on that same, same algorithm, uh, same process, but quite different output. Um, but basically, the, we, these are the kind of visuals that we sort of produced from that. And it was a, a 4K um, um, uh, piece um, on these really nice high-resolution screens. So, um, so yeah, um, there was that. So my final piece, I guess, today is uh, a new piece called Proximity Studies. Um, and really, it's not about data. Um, it's kind of, I guess, it's using geometry data um, in it um, and positions of points in geometries. Um, and it's kind of a bit about Brexit. Um, in that we have this idea of, it was sort of inspired, I wanted to do something about Brexit and this idea that if we're being pulled out of a, some sort of a, 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 an organisation or sort of an administrative organisation, I still have friends in Europe on, on these other networks, you know, in, on Twitter or wherever that I will still be in contact with. And if, if one, one form kind of um, falls apart and corrupts, how long do those networks come together? And there's sort of a... a or how long do those networks stay together, if you like? Um, and so instead of it being um, administrative you know, constructs, this, we sort of used um, sort of ge geometric constructs to kind of that, to, to sort of symbolise that idea. Um, so concentric circles or spheres coming together and moving apart. Um, and yeah, so that's what this is about um, in sort of investigations into that. And so I'll kind of, um, yeah, this is the last one today. <laughs> Thank you. 
time for some questions and answers that sort of thing so um yeah that's it that's it for me and yeah, everything's on culture design if you wanted to have a look, have a look again so yeah thank you very much lots of really interesting graphics there. that was really cool thank you um do we have any questions in the audience would anyone like to ask a question yeah um i was just wondering where is there any resources you might where you can find great like open source data. I've I've looked at, into it a little bit and found things like Kaggle and stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, but do you use anything in particular for finding data? I've got a big like massive favorites folder with like I don't know it's quite, quite often I'll be favoriting things from like museums or or you know sort of maybe sort of cultural open source stuff, you know, so like those those kind of images that are, you know, um, interesting or maybe interesting audio that sort of thing. So I guess I'm focus less on, you know, the, the kind of uh, statistical data, I suppose, than, than um, and the more on that kind of sort of visual and audio sort of data and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I just got to keep an eye out, I guess, ODI. <laughs> uh, um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm not anywhere in particular. I just have a, a... And it usually comes through Twitter, to be honest. There's a kind of a, quite a good data viz sort of data art scene on Twitter and, and just keeping an eye on that. And then when something comes in, I just grab it and put it in there. Yeah, it was interesting seeing how you um, pull the data from... Um, it's all right, keep going, it's for the feed. Yeah, it was interesting how you uh, see pulling the data, um, turning it into, into the visual stuff, but I also see that you've got a real interest in music alongside of that. Yeah. Um, which is likewise myself. Right. Um, have you tried turning some of the visualisation back in that way? Yeah, I've had that question. Turning it. Uh, yeah, I've had that question before, and that, that kind of idea of... Because it really is a vis you know, using... Um, Using the visuals as a, as a, I guess a, um, a visualization of a system, if you like, and using that that underlying system to generate, you know, generative music is really interesting. I think, and it's like, yeah. again, another favorite in my uh, folders. People like the Algorave. Yeah, exactly. And and Dan, he was here last week, and he was he was big into sort of Algorave. I don't think he does it quite so much anymore, but Dan Hett. Um, but I really like, yeah, I really like that. And if to be able to blend the two, you know, um, it's particularly live uh, would be is amazing that those guys do that. Yeah, it's sort of super interesting. But also, that's that. There's a kind of a an idea of sort of audio visualization, and we we actually we're quite good at maybe not. Um, we we we're, we're okay at like taking visual cues from something um, to sort of assess the value of data, if you like, or the kind of the, the scale of data, but we're really good at, at, at audio as well. Um, and it's kind of a much ignored... It's a synesthetic approach, really. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, um, the, the, the frequency and the rise and fall of pitch of something tells you a lot, just like a bar chart, you know, or a, or a line chart would, you know. So, so kind of audio, visu audio visualization uh, <laughs> is, yeah, is, is interesting. And, and that kind of blends into generative music, just like data visualization blends into data art you know so yes that would be great let's do we, we, <laughs> i'd like to do that definitely uh, any more questions 
Yeah, I just wonder if you could um, just briefly sh talk about your process of output in yep. terms of the visualization platform. So how you yeah, output um, from a code set or whatever. So, um, for instance, I, I do a lot of work in processing. So processing.org, you go there, it's free uh, open source software. Um, and it's a great, um, very easy to use, um, which is why I use it. Um, so, uh, and it's designed for artists and, and designers to use um, and to, to create all sorts of things, print, um, video work. Uh, so what we do is we essentially will take, you could tap it into an API, an online API if you want, but say for instance the reasons titles using the, the audio, you can read that audio data directly, the levels and using FFT to kind of, but that's a bit slow, so actually what we did was took all that, the audio level data, converted it into a CSV file of audio levels at 30 frames a second and just read it in as a CSV um, and then use that as an input um, into our system and then output frame by frame by frame, a still frame every single 30 frames a second. Mm -hmm comp it back together in Premiere or After Effects yeah. and that sort of thing. But yeah, processing, great, great for that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, I have a question about the outcome. So before you do an experiment, if you like, you have, do you have a vision and you're like, okay, it's going to look like this? Or what's the balance between the surprise element of it, and this is exactly how I wanted it to look. Yeah, it's, it's never what you expect, I don't think, and that's, that's the nice thing, I think. Um, you kind of have a sense of, you know, say with the, the Reasons logo, it's like, okay, you, you've got a form that you're kind of trying to corrupt, if you like, so you've got a sense of what that might do. Um, or, you know, okay, it's going to be circles or it's going to be spheres or something like that, so you've got a sense of that, but until you plug that data in, so a lot of it is fine-tuning how much you let the data influence it maybe and sort of tuning that in them. Um, but what's nice is, and I think as a designer, you can kind of step back from it because you didn't make it. You kind of set these rules in motion, but you can just sort of judge it kind of impartially and go, that's a nice moment. That's a nice bit. That's not, but you didn't invest two days creating it and then going, mm, I'm a bit disappointed, but I'm going to live with it anyway. You can be a bit more sort of subjective. Um, so is there a lot of that going on as well that we haven't seen? For example, the bits that didn't make yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there, there is, it's a, you know, curated thing. And I guess okay. that's where the, um, you know, where you can get into dodgy ground, I suppose, in terms of data visualization and where you, the, the things you might be hiding is, you know, um, mor morally, you know, dubious, if you like, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, but in sort of some way you're trying to be just more expressive and you're, you're not trying to tell anyone anything, you're not trying to mm -hmm. convince anyone of something, you're just using it as an input, you can be a bit more selective about mm -hmm. which bits of that audio are nice, which images are nice, which mm -hmm. heart rates are interesting. Some people had really horrible heart rates and they just didn't work at all, you know, so, <laughs> um, so but that's, that's interesting from a visualisation point of view, but it doesn't ne necessarily make mm -hmm. great, you know, art, if you like. Uh, so have you ever kind of had, like, a, a moment where you use the data and you, you had an idea that it's going to somewhat look like this? If you know what I mean, I think you do because you're kind of you. You're very consciously setting up a, the parameters first. Yeah. You know, you don't just sort of throw it straight in and go, "Oh, what does it look like?" You know, it's okay. like, okay, I've still got to encode, I've still got to translate a value to some sort of visual form. So, is it the the circle getting bigger mm -hmm. or smaller? You know, or is it color that I'm I'm mapping a, a value to a color? Yeah. And so you do have a sense of what you're trying to build, yeah. but it's the surprise of when that system comes to life, that is when you go. Cool. Is that good life or bad? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Okay, awesome. Thank you. I love the um, your take on the dead presidents. Oh, thank you. Thanks.
short which kind of analytics is behind of this visualization um it's just it's kind of raw data there's no kind of necessarily analysis um as such there's no kind of statistical analysis um unless that's already been done if you like there's so some of our kind of more uh, regular sort of visualizations are are visualizing statistical outcomes if you like um but we're not doing any of that so the audio visualization, I guess, is, is using FFT, which is like fast Fourier transformations to kind of analyze audio data, but we're not doing that. It's just taking an output and saying, in this frequency, what level, it, you know, what level of audio is playing at this frequency and this frequency. So um, there are libraries in processing to do that, um, to, to do that audio analysis. So, um, but very little, it's literally data screen, you know. Any more questions? What's the most practical application have you ever worked on? A lot of the stuff you've done is quite abstract and stylistic and for branding. But yeah. I can imagine there's lots of amazing... I used to work in a city. Uh -huh. So to have a visual representation of what market volatility does would be amazing because it doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah. So is there any examples of stuff where you've put live data in and let sort of industry people make decisions on the fly? Yeah, I mean, so so some of that earlier work, sort of down in that sort of bottom left-hand corner. Um, I saw Dow Jones. Yeah, that sort of, and this kind of thing, I guess this was for a um, for, sort of for Mobile World Congress, and it's looking at a year's worth of sort of um, average sort of uh, mobile handset usage, and then um, this kind of thing, looking at experimenting with different ways of showing... Um, <coughs> Yeah, activity, press activity between two different companies. So what this is actually showing is saying, Apple and Microsoft, who are they discussed alongside um, um, in the press at that time, in that year? And what you could do is move through the years and see how their market changed, basically, based on... So in 2013, they were all being talked alongside Google and Samsung and Nokia, but in 97, it was all about Dell and chipsets and, and media rights and that sort of thing. So you could sort of see... But again, it's... It, the more useful you want it to be, I guess the more representative you need to be and the less well, artistic you can I'm be. I'm more thinking this is like contextual going backwards, but if you lose real-time data, you're yeah. going to really empower people in real-time to make decisions yeah. based on... Yeah, I haven't done... Yeah, not, not a lot. We usually... It's fairly small data, um, curated data for a particular purpose sort of thing, so that tends to be what we... It'd be amazing on. from a, an ex-banker if you were sitting in a trading room have a visual representation of what's going on live yeah, in and ways it, that they to never imagined before. Yeah, and, and to give that sort of gist of, of, of a market rather than necessarily specifics, that's a very interesting thing of how do you represent some uncertainty, you know, in a big data set because you can't be very specific um, on, at scale, can you? So you have to give a sense of uncertainty. Um, but, yeah, it's an interesting challenge for sure. But, yeah, yeah one yet I've, I haven't solved, yeah. The money in there, I reckon. <laughs> okay, good to know. Uh, any more questions from the audience? Any questions from Twitter? Okay, uh, I think we'll wrap up then. We'll, let's give Mark another round of applause for a great lecture. <laughs> You've been listening to a Friday lunchtime lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.